What's going on, everybody? Welcome to New Money, a podcast about the future of investing. Uh, this is a new show about all of the new investment vehicles and opportunities that are coming online, not just for the wealthy, uh, for actually everyday investors. Uh, there are an explosion of new places where you can put your money to see it grow. Um, some of those will be, I think, very beneficial and help people, uh, you know, help them retire later in life. And some of them might be flops. So every episode, we're going to analyze and discuss a new investment opportunity for uh, everyday people. And we're going to talk about the upsides and the downsides, whether or not we're going to put our own money into these vehicles um, and how we see them kind of playing out over time. So welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you want to say hello. Mike is the co-host. I'm David. Hey there. Uh, so I thought this episode, uh, since we're kind of just kicking off me and Mike have been discussing just a lot of changes that are happening in the financial world. Um, you've probably heard about blockchain. You've probably heard about acorns or Robinhood and some of these apps. And it's just a really exciting time to be an investor. Um, but I thought like, just since this is the first show before we dig into investing, we could just talk quick about some of the, the background um, that we have uh, and then we can kind of get into today's episode, Rally Road. Uh, do you want me to kick off? Do you want to kick off with some of your background? Uh, why don't you just keep it rolling, man? Okay, great. So uh, just for context, I'm 28. Uh, I started a company out of college called Death to the Stock Photo, which is essentially a media agency business, um, but brands pay a subscription uh, for access to the media that we produce. So it's a stock, kind of a stock photography and video house. Um, I've been doing that for about six years. Uh, and I've always been interested in investing. I, in 2008, got really lucky. I put money into the market in 2008, right after the crash, purely by timing. Um, and so it's been a great market since then. But that, that win, that early win, um, both in starting a business and also investing at that time, um, really through luck, I think gave me kind of the investor bug. Although I remember even in high school, I think as a sophomore, being really interested in my finance classes. Um, but at the same time, I don't feel like I'm a finance nerd. Like I'm not great with numbers, if I'm honest. Um, I'm very interested in trends. Uh, and I, I'm very interested in like just analyzing kind of what's going on culturally in the shifts that are happening. So... While I may not be, um, you know, such a, dil a diligent sort of numbers person, hopefully I can be a voice just about the, the trends that I'm seeing in technology and some of the opportunities that are becoming available as somebody, you know, who maybe could be an example of someone who, who likes investing, even if I'm not like on Wall Street, et cetera. So uh, I guess that's my background. Mike, I, do you want to start with maybe how you got interested in finance or investing like when you were... How you, when did it start for you? So there's a story that goes around my family that, so my, my, my aunt um, was a, like a seamstress uh, and she did work hourly for a, uh, for a client and it was, you know, a pretty high dollar. It was like, I think she was like the uh, Saudi Arabian queen or something like that. And she was, and she was making a garment for her and she told me she was uh, paid hourly. And I was like, well, just work really slow. So like from a very young age, like the numbers of things made sense to me. Um, so I've always been, 
a kind of a poly nerd math was was always my thing came very easily so um, that led to a uh, degree in accounting um, spent some time in corporate finance uh, about a decade there and uh, didn't find it super fulfilling so I started to venture out into more of the small business entrepreneur world um, have been there for I'd say the last five or so years uh, now I just help small businesses who aren't great with their numbers get a better handle of um, where they are and where they want to go. Um, obviously, that has a lot to do with the numbers. So, as far as my kind of contribution in in this show, I'm going to come from things more from a uh, kind of less emotional or less uh, uh, less culturally um, <laughs> driven, mm -hmm. and I'm going to come more from you know what what do the numbers look like. And that's kind of my strong suit. So I think it's going to be a cool dynamic of uh, you're going to get a balance of, you know, someone who has a better pulse on what culturally is going on and someone who is probably on the very early end of the, uh, like the adoption curve. And I would kind of put myself probably on like the tail end of the early adopter curve. So I'm usually a little bit later to things than you are um, on that sense, but uh yeah, I think it's going to be a cool dynamic to see how yeah. that plays out as we go through, you know, all of these new opportunities that um, have never been accessible to the average person. Um, it's just going to see how how cool how it all plays out. Mm -hmm, for sure, and yeah. So just to to give you the listener, the person who's watching on YouTube, the really the premise of the show started because there's two huge changes that are happening, uh, and both of them are very fascinating. The first is that. Uh, people who don't traditionally invest uh, in the stock market or just through uh, investment vehicles, I think are coming online for the first time and actually getting interested in investing. And this has really been driven by uh, Robinhood and the iPhone and being able to bank through your phone and trade stocks through your phone. Like actually just investing as an idea is becoming a lot more accessible to people. And so I think on, on one hand, we've got this huge wave of new people coming online to invest their dollars. And it's not like they're super high net worth. Um, it's just everyday people are going to start investing more easily because the tools are becoming more available that allow them to do that. Um, there's even been some law changes, et cetera, that it's going to facilitate that. The second thing that's happening that's really fascinating is there's been a lot of innovation on investment vehicles. And that's the products that we're going to be talking about in this show every episode is what it, where is a new place that you can put your money and earn a return on it that wasn't previously available to anybody you know, a decade ago or more? So I think it's this convergence of more people than ever becoming investors for the first time uh, you know, and, and using these iPhone applications, et cetera, to do that investing. And then just the sheer number of untested new financial instruments that are available, like today's episode that I'm really excited to talk about, Rally Road. Uh, I just think we want to make sure that people understand one, those trends, but also that you know, if you're somebody even with a hundred dollars a month, you know, $50 a month less, uh, you can become an investor. And there's a lot of very interesting places and products that may yield a return for you, um, you know, over the long run. And we want to explore whether or not these are going to be uh, viable instruments. We're going to put our own money into some of them. And if we do, we'll talk about that. Uh, but with that pitch, I think we should talk about today's product, Rally Road. I think we have to give a disclaimer here, though, Mike. So I don't know if you want to give a disclaimer. 
about us not being, uh, you know, we're not yeah. giving you financial advice here. I mean, just in general, we're not, we're not giving you professional advice. This is our own opinion. You know, we're just reviewing things as two normal people. Do not think of us as pros. Do your own research. And if you think we're giving investment advice, we are not. Um, <laughs> okay, great. Well, I'm going to start with today's, thank you, and we'll do that uh, every episode, so deal with it. Uh, we're going to start with today's product, today's new investment opportunity. It's called Rally Road, and I heard about Rally Road through an investor that I like to follow named Howard Lindzen. And the quick background about this product is that there used to be, or I think there actually continues to be, a, a car show and a car auction that happens, I think, in Texas every year. And thousands of people gather to watch old classic cars get auctioned off to the highest bidder. And the reason that so many people typically attend this event is there's just a lot of car enthusiasts. We all get that. We all know that you know, there's a lot of people who just have a hobby of loving classic cars, fixing up classic cars. And in the past, only a few people could buy them. You know, they'd auction off for a million dollars. So all these people would gather at this event. Thousands of people would be watching. Thousands of people would be loving classic cars. And a few wealthy people would, uh, you know, lead these auctions and purchase the cars that were available. And so the people who started this company, Rally Road, which is an iPhone app that you can download today, saw what was going on and said, wouldn't it be cool if instead of just a few millionaires buying these classic cars, we empowered all of these enthusiasts to also participate in that? What if we purchase classic cars and allow people to buy fractional ownership uh, of the car and hold it like an investment? What if a car is something that you can buy into and actually gain a return over time if that car goes up in value? Uh, and so I think it's a really neat idea. Basically, the application they built allows you to do just that. You can purchase a fractional share uh, of a classic car, and if that car goes up in value over time, you can get a return sort of like buying a stock. Um, so I love the founding story of that. I love the idea that here's an asset that only a few people could buy and now many people can purchase it. And I think that's even, it just goes to the heart of the show and what you were trying to explain in the beginning that new things are becoming available to everyday people to put their money into. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you want to add anything about like structurally how that process works. Um, but yeah, what, what's your take on that? So just to give a little more context, I'm, I'm, I've got their uh, site pulled up right now. They're, there's currently one offering available that's you know 60 or so percent funded, and they're selling shares of that fractional, I'm not even going to say what kind of a car, it's a 92 Lancia Delta Martini 5. Uh, they're estimating that value at around uh, 165000 and you can buy a share of it for $55. So something that was never available to an average person now whether it's just because you're into cars or, you know, you see it as a potential, you know, major investment area for you, you can buy into it for as little as $55, um, which is amazing. You know, you talk about that, that car show. Now all of these people who are watching along can feel like they're along for that ride. And, um, you know, if that's your thing, this is a great, you know, chance for you to feel like 
you know, you're a part of something probably uh, has felt all along. Um, the only other things I'd add is, you know, they're start, it from what I saw, it sounds like they're starting with just these luxury custom um, vintage automobiles. But the thing that has me even more excited is they're planning on opening this up to a lot of different kinds of alternative asset classes. Um, a couple of the things they had mentioned was political sports and celebrity memorabilia. So it's kind of just mm. opening that uh, up to a lot more interests, different interest groups. Um, and that just kind of made my head explode as to, yeah. as I was driving around thinking about this, I'm looking at buildings, I'm looking at like any asset in 20 years, you may be able to buy a fractional share of that building down the road or the open land. That's right. It's just, I think this is opening up uh, a market or a industry that will be very exciting because none of us could ever participate in anything like this in the past. Yeah. And it's based around passions too. I like that, that memorabilia makes sense as a next step because you know, it's a similar group of people who are passionate about uh, a sport or, you know, a certain, uh, celebrity, I guess, and you can buy into that passion that you have. But, you know, the key to the show is you can make a return, right? And so let me jump into my thesis here that I think is really interesting and caught my eye about Rally Road. Uh, so, you know, yes, it's nice to buy a piece of a car because maybe you love automobiles, you're into the vintage aspect, but I think you can make real money on them. And the the trend that I see that makes that really interesting is so we're heading to a world of automation. We're heading into a world uh, where you're going to summon a car. It's going to be electric. It's going to be autonomous, you know, just like an Uber. And you're going to get in and you're not going to drive. And there's you know, statistics about how uh, you know, teens less and less are getting their driver's licenses. So I think we're heading to a world that is both electric and autonomous. So to me, there's a real luxury in the future of owning a you know, 68 Jaguar that still uses gasoline, if you can believe that, that you have to drive yourself to get around in, I think people will pay top dollar to own rare vintage cars that use gasoline uh, that they drive themselves. And so I think actually from a trend perspective, I actually think the value of a automobile goes up the less uh, we have to sort of use them in everyday life. Like it almost becomes more precious, more luxurious, uh, you know, more something that the elite want for themselves uh, is to like drive these gas guzzling vehicles that destroy the environment, but have that classic touch of cool. Um, and the last thing I want to add to that is one thing Rally Road has done is they attach the story of the vehicle as well to the investment. And so when you're researching as a potential investor in these cars, you also can get a bit, a bit of history, who used to drive it, uh, you know, what's like the, the history of the model. And I think that also points to potentially why in the future you might buy in, let's say, you know, you spend a hundred bucks, you buy fractional ownership, the car's worth a hundred thousand dollars in 10 years, in 20 years, maybe it's worth a million dollars. Um, and that's how you actually gain value in these shares um, of the car. But I think that to me is the trend that makes me think that it's a viable investment. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I echo what you're saying there about the, at some point this will be a nostalgic um, kind of asset where, you know, you're really tapping into uh, generations past. 
Um, but what you meant, one of the things you mentioned was um, how you make money. So I think it's important to kind of go through some of the mechanics because that's one thing I yeah. dug into. I was kind of curious, like, so who am I going to sell these shares to down the road? Like, how is this going to increase in value? Um, and the way it works is, you know, once they open an offering um, for those fractional like initial offering of the shares, they close the window of selling any of them for 90 days. So say you buy in, they close the offering, you're going to hold those shares for at least 90 days. Um, and then the interesting thing that they do is rather than having just this open market where like, if you think of uh, a share of Apple, you can go in, you know, whenever the markets are open, which is almost every day of the, the normal week and buy or sell a share. What they do is because there isn't such, you know, great liquidity in that market for these assets. Um, what they do is they only open it up once a month um, for activity. So once you own that share, you sit out your 90 days and wait, um, you could potentially sell that um, in an open market setting once a month. And um, if there's a buyer on the other side that agrees to the price you want to sell it, you sell it and you could make money. So that's kind of the mechanics of, of the market, um, specifically around like the, the transactional level of, you know, this is when you buy, this is when you sell, and, and that side. So from that standpoint, you know, that's how that works. Um, the only other thing that kind of stuck out to me was that we haven't talked about is that these guys, um, actually invest in the vehicles along with you. So I think it's up to 10% of the value of the car that they're allowed to buy alongside. And I think that aligns them well with the incentives that, you know, you as an investor would have is, you know, they want the value of this thing to go up as well. So, um, they're not just a market maker. They also are incentivized to, uh, own and see the value appreciate as well, which I thought was one of the things that um, when I was going into it, I was like, I'm hoping that they're incentivized for this thing to go up as well. And, you know, they are. So, yeah, no, I'm so glad you uh, brought that up both on, on how you can gain liquidity over your investment, which is really how long do I have to wait before I can sell this off? Let's say the car doubles in value in five years. Well, can I get, you know, can I liquidate and, and get a return on that investment? And then also, I think you brought something up that I think we'll continue to cover in the show, which is the incentives of the platform, the business model of the platform, and how does that align with investor interests, everyday investors on the platform? So I'm really glad both those points, I think, are, are you know, key to sort of starting to understand this new world of investment vehicles. Um, so one thing that, that sparked for me a little bit is that What's interesting, obviously, about this is that many people can own shares in a car. But I also wonder at what point individuals will try to buy out, you know, the entire investment uh, to own it. And, and it makes me think of someone like a Jerry Seinfeld or a Jay Leno. These are car fanatics, um, and they might pay a premium to these fractional owners of uh, of these cars because they they want to own it for themselves. And so I actually think that potentially. Um, you, you mentioned market makers, you know, potentially there's these, you know, real car enthusiasts that, uh, that do buy these cars back from the crowd, but that's good. It gives the investors liquidity. It, it gives them return. Um, so, you know, I've been thinking, you know, from a trend perspective, you've already got people like, a, a Jerry Seinfeld who owns 300 plus cars. Um, and another thing that came to mind too was uh, antique roadshow. You know, you've already got this whole, you know, group of people who loves these antiques and, and we know that we like to look back into history and, and purchase these goods for higher prices. Um, I imagine there's this like 
you know, effect that happens is vortex where a few individuals of high net worth want to vortex this stuff up, but it's great because the value uh, has been provided to everybody involved, you know, along the way. Yeah, typically, you know, if you think of like a traditional stock exchange, um, if there's a company buyout and say the company's trading at $10 a share, typically when that happens, there's a, a pretty big premium that the buying company is going to pay. So let's say you buy these shares for, you know, $100 and, you know, five years down the road, a Jerry Seinfeld comes along and, you know, he wants to buy them. Typically it's a, it's gotta be a pretty compelling offer. Um, so that, I mean, that's going to typically going to benefit the, uh, the shareholder very well. Um, and the other thing that I was thinking about with the antique roadshow is I can imagine a world where, um, you know, you're just sitting on the couch watching this, you know, Mecham car auction or this antique roadshow and you just can hop on your phone and as you're watching it, just buy this fractional share of whatever it is. Totally. It's just Love like that. my mind exploded of all the different avenues that, you know, that are going to be available. And I think that's got me more excited than anything when you talk about these alternative assets is mm -hmm. when you start to make it seamless to the way people are already like observing these things happening. Yeah. In, in person as well. I mean, you know, you could be at that auction with your phone out in person and also your, your bid is through the phone Yeah, and attached to your bank account, you know? So I think there's some really interesting stuff there. Um, so one little section, and I think we can kind of wrap here, um, is, you know, one little section we want to get into is just like, you know, what's going on generally around the market, if there's anything notable happening. Um, and so I just want to kind of call out here at the end of this, you know, today's episode with this product, um, something I saw that was sort of interesting in the news with Robinhood, which if you haven't heard of it, Robinhood is uh, an app that you can download to trade stocks uh, free. Uh, and they've definitely been continuing, continuing to innovate in the fintech sector. They had a pretty big announcement yesterday that has been kind of blowing people's minds, um, and they immediately got some potential regulatory uh, pushback. So um, I can pull that up. I don't know if you want to, if you have a good read on that, you know, what the offer was and what the pushback was, um, or I can pull it up. We can discuss it that way. Uh, let me uh, pull it up. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially what, what I sort of understood is that they, uh, Robinhood, the application was promising, um, not only can you sort of like trade stocks through the application, but you can also open a savings account uh, through their app. And when you open a savings account with them, they, they had an offer that said that you get 3% uh, earnings on that savings um, just for leaving it in that account. And it seemed like they got into some regulatory trouble. Uh, and I think that's an interesting theme, I guess, just to bring up in the show is that, you know, with these innovations, we're going to see a lot of regulatory stuff happening as well. And I think they got in some regulatory trouble because uh, there's something about um, the intent of that savings, whether it's for savings or for investing in securities uh, that the security commission exchange like had some issue with. Um, so I need yeah, to sure. kind of read into this more. It's, it's new. It just kind of came out this morning. I think just from the, the average person's without getting too technical on what, sure. what, um, what the problem with it is, is the average person is like, it's about time, you know? I mm. mean, I, I remember 
uh, I can't remember exactly why, but I, I found a, like one of the old, like deposit books from my childhood of like a checking account or savings account that I had. And I saw there was like five or 6% interest. And I'm like, like our entire lives our this generation's entire lives has been in like this depressed state of returns on savings uh, accounts. Mm -hmm. It's something that we've never experienced of like those interest rates actually rising and getting a return on your money. So I think most of us are pretty disenchanted with the, um, the big bank world and are excited to see someone um, sticking up for us, if you want to call it that, and actually uh, incentivizing us to save or to have money in a savings account. So yeah, um, I saw it as a bold move, sort of like an Uber, uh, where they entered the market knowingly having some potential issues around the law, but they, they also understand that consumers are on their side, which is what you just brought up. Um, it looks good enough on the consumer side that they might be able to get an, like community support to ensure that this um, continues without too much regulatory trouble. Um, but I think it's a good example of just like, you know, some other stuff that's happening in the market uh, and that, you know, with these uh, investment vehicles, these are new territories from a regulation standpoint. So I think we will probably continue to discuss and see uh, some issues like this, you know, popping up with these different uh, products. So, well, anyways, well, that was fun. I'm really excited to dive in. We have new products every single show that are like Rally Road in that they're a place that you can put your money, even if it's a small amount. Um, you know, the show is for kind of the everyday investor. These are the things that we see popping up, the trends we see popping up that are interesting over time, uh, we might start uh, putting some money ourselves into some of these vehicles just so we can really gauge, uh, you know, how good of an investment is this. And, and that'll let us uh, hopefully help other people who are kind of looking at this information parse out where is the best place to start thinking about uh, potentially putting some investments in. Um, but again, these are just ideas and not investment advice. Um, but yeah, that, that was fun. I'm looking forward. Uh, we have a great list of products lined up for these shows. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, we also have a YouTube channel, um, where once we get the tech working perfectly, you'll be able to see everything on screen as long as well as our faces, if you want to see our faces. Um, but, or you can, you know, stick around on the podcast, of course, subscribe, review, etc. Uh, Mike, anything else you want to sign off with? Uh, just at a glance, man, is this something you think you'd be interested in getting into at some point? Mm, yeah, it's a good question. Um, yes, I, I don't have the classic car bug. Um, so I'm not somebody who has that passion. Uh, I really wanted to explore more about, um, like, I think one thing we didn't get to that like piques my interest is like luxury and storytelling. So actually like my kind of media background, the thing that I like about Rally Road is that they understand that they need to tell a compelling story about each unique car and that adds to the ownership and the interest. So like I like it not because I care about cars, but because I like the idea of how do you, how do you build sort of like luxury and, and a story around these investments. So I think I will, I think it seems easy enough through the app to put money in that I'd love to see how it does. I think my thesis being that uh, gasoline uh, becomes more attractive as we use it less as well as driving makes me think that there's a good long-term potential there. Um, so I, I say, yes, I 
likely will put some money in, uh, but not for the reason that their core user will put money in. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I think I share the fact that I'm not necessarily a car guy, um, but uh, I think as far as because they are planning on extending this offering into different types of asset classes, I think there's some value in understanding the platform when a better opportunity may come along or a different opportunity may come along. Um, so just to get the user experience, I may try it. It's not something I would allocate by any uh, stretch of the imagination, a large share of like an investment uh, pool of money that I, that I had. I may buy a share or two in a car or two and just to understand the experience and get a little diversity, but it's not something that I would um, at this point um, go crazy with. So, yeah, I think the other thing I'd look to understand is I'm, I'm, I wonder what the time, you know, something else we need to think about is the time frame on this. And like, is there actually like, let's say, let's say rally road is an app up scales and suddenly a million people are using it. Um, right. Have you actually lost ground on a potential entry point now because it's actually, you know, less known? Um, I'm not sure. I, I need to think about that more, but it would be interesting to also think about whether timing, you know, how timing plays into it. Yeah. I think, you know, if it was me, it wouldn't be like a short term trade. Like I would yeah. buy something yeah. today and then 90 days expect to um, have seen that thing appreciate unless it was kind of an unusual circumstance. So, you know, if it was me, I'd probably see a time horizon of at least a year or two. Um, but again, it's a new platform who knows what happens. I mean, so I think yeah. the risk, you yeah, know, the, I think we're both gosh. like, uh, invest just to sort of discover, invest to see what it's about. Just to get your toes wet. That's, I mean, yep. for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for, uh, tuning in on YouTube or on the podcast and we will be back again, uh, with another product and another similar breakdown. Thanks. Thanks.